What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. That's right. We're back here on the block, joined by Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald, who spent most of his last couple weeks uh, in Omaha, obviously covering the College World Series. Evan, how are you doing today? <laughs> hey, Austin. Yeah. Doing well. You're right. It's uh, this is like hard shift week for me, going from college baseball and the, the CWS back into football and recruiting, and uh, yeah, it's it, it. There's always something, man. So it's been good. Glad to hear it. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll touch on football maybe a little bit at the end, but starting with the College World Series, LSU gets it done first time in a while for the Tigers in Omaha. Uh, Florida staves off elimination in a big way in Game Two, but even before you know a great championship series, a lot of storylines. What are your your biggest you know storylines and takeaways from this year's edition of the the Greatest Show on Dirt? Well, up until those last two games, it was all about. The, the tight finishes and the one-run games. I mean, they had eight of those, which tied a record. And, uh, you know, even the games that weren't right down to the end or single runs, like they were all, almost all were compelling late into the game. I mean, you had big strikeout performances. Paul Skeens showed out twice. Rhett Lauder from Wake Forest was great. You had, uh, you know, some some star power in terms of guys that were hitting the ball well. And then, of course, in the last two games, you have a, a record 24 runs from Florida on Sunday and a record 24 hits from LSU uh, on Monday. So, like, if you like pitching, if you like hitting, uh, if you like good weather and food and, and jello shots or whatever else, like, it, it seemed like there was just a little bit of something for everybody at this particular series. And uh, you know, I, I think oftentimes the final couple of weeks are sort of the the microcosm by which college baseball is judged. And over the years, over the last 10 years, uh, we've seen college World Series that have had three home runs, uh, which was way low. And, and, and finally this year, I mean, I think the final number was 35, which is a, a sweet spot. And so I think we really um, have found a good place right now in college baseball where there's offense, there is good pitching. 
Um, again, for a number of reasons, there's more depth in, at the college ranks uh, than we've seen in a long time, and I thought it really played out just for some really compelling baseball over the course of the last couple weeks. For Nebraska baseball, you know, 60 miles or so down the road in Lincoln, if you're Will Bolt, a uh, new addition to the staff, Rob Childress, Mike Sirianni coming up from Wichita, what, what do you take away uh, to get Nebraska back in the postseason you know, conversation? Well, you know, I thought Jay Johnson, the LSU coach, had a, had a really good thought about what it takes to make it and to win the College World Series. He said, you know, maybe this has changed in the last five to ten years, but you're not going to make it to that final weekend unless you have future Major League Baseball players and unless you have older guys who know what they're doing. And so I, I thought that was pretty spot on with just the recipe that it's going to take at this point. You need high-end talent that can uh, you know compete with the best nationally. And then the guys that maybe won't move on someday to the majors need to be older, need to know their roles, need to execute. And LSU absolutely fit the bill on that. And most of the teams, I would say, in Omaha fit the bill on that. You could probably point out multiple future MLBers on all those uh, eight teams that made it. So, you know, when I look at what Nebraska's done the last couple of years, I, I thought they really learned uh, from 22 into 2023 that they needed to get older and stay older. And we saw that in some of the portal additions that they made and, and just some of the, the roster, uh, you know, moves that, that, that came and went. But, you know, the task is, is out there in front of them now. I mean, who? I think it would be hard to say at this moment who Nebraska's future major leaguers are on this roster, assuming Max Anderson and Bryce Matthews and Emmett Olsen move on. Uh, now it's time to find that next crop of guys, whether that's developing them, whether that's through the portal or, or out of high school or whatever. Um, that's job one. Job two is, again, to find some older players. And I think they've done that in the portal again, finding some – juniors and seniors and just veteran players to fill out this roster. Uh, and then, you know, thirdly, I think pitching depth, it, it, that's clearly been a need for Nebraska. I think you watch any of these postseason tournament games and teams are just starved for arms that are reliable. I mean, you, you, you might have your ace, you might even have a full rotation, but come that sixth or seventh inning, um, for the most part, once you get past maybe your closer and, and maybe one or two other arms, there's just a lot of innings still to eat and to fill up. And so I think that's another big task for Nebraska is, is finding that pitching depth and a number of guys that they can trust in the midweek, in the sixth, in the seventh, whatever it might be, so they can at least contend to get to where they want to be. When you talk about the depth of arms, that's something that uh, the text line and I were going back and forth with from the LSU standpoint late last week. I was you know, pounding the table that they had to throw Paul Skeens at some point in that championship series. They don't and they end up winning it anyways. Are you surprised LSU didn't use him at all? Well, I mean, they, they couldn't use him in the opener. That was pretty clear. Mm-hmm. He had thrown 120 pitches two days earlier, so he wasn't going to be in that one. The you know the, the Sunday game got out of hand pretty quickly, so in some ways that, that took him off the hook there. And then Monday, I think, had that game played out differently, had – Thatcher Hurd maybe given up some more runs to Florida and not settled in the way that he did. Yeah, I think you would have seen Paul Skeens in some fashion, maybe in that you know Madison Bumgarner sort of duty that we saw from the from the from the World Series a number of years ago. Uh, I don't think he was ever going to start. I mean, if LSU was going to, they would have just gone ahead and started him on Monday. 
But yeah, I think if the game was close and and things were going that way, then you probably would have seen him go from Hurd to Skeens midway through that game. And even if he gives you a, just a couple of innings, like uh, this was something that their players and coaches said too, was like the psychological advantage of bringing in a guy like that, even for two innings, is pretty profound. Where if you're Florida, you're almost thinking, man, okay, well let's let's try to foul off some pitches and get him out of this game in a couple of innings. So I, I think they having that sort of ace in the hole maybe served them well. But it would have been interesting, man, because Paul Skeens may well be the number one overall pick in a couple of weeks in that major league draft, and there were a whole bunch of eyes on how LSU was going to handle that given the workload that he had had. So, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, Jay Johnson and, and their staff avoided, you know, uh, maybe a potentially a pretty big debate Um by not having to use him because LSU's offense did what it did. The other thing that interested me about Paul Skeens, and this ties into what we let off the show with a little bit here, I didn't realize until today that Paul Skeens was a John Olerud Award winner uh, in his time at Air Force. And for those listeners who might not know, the John Olerud Award goes to uh, the best two-way player in college baseball. Spencer Schwellenbach won it for Nebraska. But Evan, I bring that up because we see two-way players you know, pretty consistently in college, you know, from Schwellenbach and skiing, I mean, Brendan McKay, what he did uh, with Louisville. Mm-hmm. But it's so rare at the major league level. I mean, McKay tried it all the way up through AAA, didn't go all that well uh, eventually in Tampa, and he just became a position player, I believe. What is it about that jump from, you know, college to the pros that there's such a disconnect that guys aren't able to do it at the same level? Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's very few examples. I mean, Shohei Otani is a unicorn in that respect. And of course the original two-way guy was Babe Ruth back in the, in the twenties and thirties. But like that uh, absolutely is the, is the, the the rare exception there. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's hard enough to do in college, right? Like you only see a handful of guys do it at that level and be good enough to do it both ways. And, and it just gets harder the further you're up the ladder you go in the majors. I mean, everything is so, specialized. I mean, just to be a pitcher in the majors and the way you have to scout lineups and the way you have to be pinpoint with your command. um, I mean, that that's enough to be a full-time job and to train and to get yourself ready. And then to additionally scout opposing pitchers and work on your swing mechanics and have your body in shape uh, to do something that's quite a bit different, honestly, than throwing a ball uh, is, is just crazy. And so like, to see what Otani did the other night, even, um, you know, dominating on the mound, hitting two home runs, apparently with a cracked fingernail and getting pulled (laughs) after that. Like uh, it just doesn't happen. I mean, it's just so rare. And and I think the other kind of remarkable part about it too, is you have to be uh, sort of lucky with the health, right? Like uh, you you see pitchers on their own get hurt so often and, and, and hitters too. Like you just kind of wear down over the course of a marathon season. So uh, to be able to, to take care of your body as well as do what it takes mentally is just uh, a trait very few are blessed with. Um, you know, Jack Caglione from Florida mm-hmm. would be another example of that guy. He hit 31 home runs, and he was hitting 95, 96 as Florida's third starter this year. But there just aren't a lot of guys that are, um, you know, mentally and physically able to to do what, uh, you know, top two-way players can do. And Caglione, I mean, did it all year, but then the biggest game he gets thrown out there on the mound to start – Great first inning, all fell apart in the second inning. Keep his bat in the lineup. He goes 0 for 3 with three strikeouts in that game. And obviously, you know, no one on Florida was hitting the way they did, um, you know, on Sunday 
the same or uh, on Monday the way they did on Sunday. But I think that speaks even more to you can be that talented, but sometimes even in the biggest moments, it's simpler. And that's what sports is about, right? Simplifying in those biggest moments. Sure. Yeah. Like muscle memory and just sort of knowing that like you always, you always hear coaches saying, I think it's probably true. You don't necessarily rise to the occasion, but you fall back on your training. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if you're, if your training is as a hitter, that's a little more simple than, than your training both ways. And Hey, what's, what's uh, my throwing mechanics? How, how are those looking versus my swing mechanics? Am I thinking too much? Like there's just so much, uh, so much more stuff, so many more variables that you have to, work through. And then, yeah, you, you add in that additional factor of, oh, Hey, you have 25,000 in the stadium watching you plus an ESPN audience plus the stakes. Um, yeah. I mean, there are all sorts of things that can sort of gum up, uh, you know, what you've been doing all season. So there's no doubt. I mean, it's, it's, it's challenging from so many respects and that's why so few people can do it. We're talking with Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald here on the Allo VIP line during On the Block. Uh, to Husker football for a sec, Evan, the news uh, that came out at noon or slightly before, Carter Nelson of Ainsworth announces his commitment to Nebraska. We had the, the Bellevue West trio earlier, and then now Carter Nelson. Where do you rank Nelson's commitment in terms of importance to uh, this recruiting class among the in-state guys? Yeah, it's way up there. I mean, there's no doubt he's uh, by most recruiting sites or, or metrics, he, he's going to be the headliner of the class at this point. And there are so many reasons for that. I mean, you can, if you want to look at the offers, you can do that. And the fact that he says no to Georgia and, and Notre Dame and, and Alabama and most of the SEC, um, if you wanted to look at just what he brings in his own merits, I mean, he's one of the most explosive athletes in the country for the last, you know, 14 months or so. He's He's been a national recruit because he can high jump seven feet. And that's been the great equalizer in his recruitment uh, as a guy who's an eight-man player in in North Central Nebraska. Like the, that's the thing that that really drew coaches to him was that physical ability that is going to be there regardless of the classification that you play against. And, and you know, he, he just get if you talk to him, he's a solid kid. Um, you know, very team oriented. So he's got the intangibles. As well, um, you know, how Nebraska wants to use that tight end position, it, it can be so versatile. I mean, they like their guys to be inline blockers as well as pass catchers, as well as maybe uh, move out wide as, as receivers in different times. And I think Nelson at 6'5 uh, can certainly be that. I mean, he's going to probably add, you know, many pounds of muscle to his frame before things are all said and done. I think he's, you know, 210 pounds or something like that. So he's got uh, some some growth to do in that respect too, but it's a, a major addition. I mean, a, a guy who's in the state, top 100 national player from the town of Ainsworth, like it just doesn't happen. If you're in Nebraska, you can't let some of those other programs uh, pull a guy like that out of state. And credit to Matt Rule and his staff. I mean, they, they made the trip up there a number of times. Nelson's probably been to Lincoln I would think close to a dozen times over the years on game day visits and different things. So he was very familiar with the program. And then, you know, the other, I think thing that played into it, having talked to him about it was you, this is sort of that time of the year when these recruits that are going to a school really start to develop those bonds. And so he was in Lincoln for his official visit last weekend and really was able to connect with those guys. And that's where the dreams start happening and they start, uh, you know, uh, speculating and, 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 and kind of calling their shot on what they can do together over the course of the next few years. And I think that was part of it too. So 
um, you know, add it all up together. And, and Nebraska's got a guy who is invested in the program, who's got the physical abilities, those intangible traits, and it should be, uh, you know, a lot of fun to see how his career goes as a Husker. With the the big caveat being, you know, all these players and the new coaching staff, you know, obviously have to prove it on the field that the recruiting wins turn into actual wins in the wins column. You have to give a tip of the cap to Garrett McGuire and Bob Wager for keeping these guys in state. Like this is a huge first test to pass as, you know, a new coach in Garrett McGuire and a you know, first time out of Texas coach in Bob Wager. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, yes, Bob Bob Wager he's he's not going to be able to point to his resume as a college coach because he hasn't been a college coach. He's been a high school coach forever in the state of Texas. And so you have to, um, you know, attract recruits based on, on something other than track record in college. And, uh, you know, having talked with him a few times, it's pretty clear he's, you know, got the, the personality and the character and everything that you could want. Um, it, it'll be fascinating to see how, Nebraska tight ends develop under him because you know the fact of the matter is they had a pretty good tight ends coach tight ends coach in Sean Becton mm-hmm. previously of all the struggles that Nebraska has had the last handful of years tight end development has been one of those bright spots when you think about you know Travis Vokalek and Austin Allen and Jack Stoll and some of the players that have come before so it's actually been a pretty successful position for them you know the, the McGuire piece I think is pretty interesting too and, and maybe even more pertinent with guys like uh, David Hall and Isaiah McMorris, who committed. I mean, those guys have said repeatedly that you know they can relate to a guy like Garrett McGuire, who's you know still 24 or so. He talks like them. He's got the high energy, son of a coach. So he's he's very cerebral too in that way. And so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think as much as Nebraska's had struggles keeping some of the top in-state players around. In recent cycles, those guys were clearly top priorities for the staff. And, you know, again, in, in the end, they were st- strategic about it. They were, um, you know, they, they personalized, I think, their sales pitches to these players. It wasn't about keeping them because they were in-state guys, but because of what they could bring to this program. And I think that resonated with, uh, you know, those additions out of Omaha and I think with Carter Nelson as well. He's Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald with us here on the Allo VIP line. Evan, I know you said you're getting back into football mode, but stay in baseball mode for another week and a half or so. Get Max and Bryce and Emmett Olson drafted. We'll <laughs> look forward to your write-ups on that and then uh, following along during football season. Thanks as always, Evan. Thanks, Austin. We'll see you. Once again, Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald with us here. We'll bring back in the Husker Hall of Famer with a nine-year NBA vet, the man, the myth, the legend, Eric Strickland. Plenty more to get to on the baseball conversation with Shohei Otani. A couple other thoughts. Paulo Bancaro spurning Team Italy. And uh, text line, a couple things I want you to let us know. Number one, how long is Shohei Otani's next contract? How many years? Uh, and where does he sign? Drop your team predictions and contract lengths at uh, 402-464-5685. And get ready. We'll be going over the most unbreakable records in sports, including the number of jello shots consumed by your College World Series champion, LSU Tiger fans. We'll do that and more as we continue here on The Block. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.